Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in the beautiful Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, great, Pastor Nick. Great to be here. Yeah, I gotta get it. Gonna be good now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Praise God. We've already uh, solved all, right. all the world's problems today, so... Since we've done that, this should be all downhill, right? It should be super easy. Praise God. So welcome, everybody. If this is your first time here, Christians with Torah, we believe in the whole Bible from Genesis to maps. And we believe in the relevance of Torah to Christian believers today, God's teachings and instructions. Praise God. And so for the last four years, we've been doing the Torah portions. That's a a part of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, a piece of it every week. For four years we did that. So if you're interested in the Torah portions and you want to hear commentary on the Torah portions, you can go and search through our stuff and you'll find four episodes on each Torah portion. So that's that's some good content there. We appreciate your uh, your comments, your likes, your subscribes, all that kind of stuff. This year we've been doing the uh, book of Matthew. We are in chapter 23. It's about to get hot, right? Uh, and we're going to do today verses 1 through 22. All right. Why don't you go ahead and hit it. Yeshua rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees. Ryan, just hit this outline. All right. There's our, there's our words. So we're going to start with verses 1 through 4. And uh, here's what it says. It says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and the disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatever, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Something's wrong, right? Something's out of order, right? What's going on here? So I find this very interesting. Here's some little bullet points that we got um, off of the first three verses there. It says, The scribes and the Pharisees were two distinct groups. Though there was some overlap between them, the scribes were professional interpretive experts on the Torah itself, while the Pharisees were experts in theological matters that the Torah raised. So that's interesting. So scribes and Pharisees, just like when we blow past Judah and Ephraim or Judah and Israel in the Old Testament prophecies, and we just kind of lump it all together, oh, that must mean the Jews, right? Those are two distinct groups, the scribes and the Pharisees. All right, and Moses' seat was traditionally understood as referring symbolically to the authority of Moses. Makes sense. However, recent archaeological evidence has revealed a literal chair found in early synagogues. Whether literal or figurative, it refers to a place from which experts on the law taught. So, uh, before we get too heavy into commentary, I think it's important to note that over the past few chapters and the past several episodes we've done on Matthew, Jesus has been going toe-to-toe with the religious leaders. This includes the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians, right? So he's going toe-to-toe with all these folks. And most of the time when he's replying to them, he's replying with a parable, right? So he gives, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the kingdom of heaven is like X, Y, Z, right? Or 
Um, he's, you know, so he's rebuking them through their parables. And he does that, and not everybody understands. But at this point, it says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples. So he's done dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians. And now he's going to teach openly to his followers. That's what I kind of understand from where we're at. And so this is what he, he kind of says in verse 4. He says, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So in other words, he's telling them, they sit in Moses' seat. They have authority. The right. things that they're telling you to do, they're right for them to do. They, you should observe these things. So I find that very interesting. But then he says, don't do what they actually do, though. Don't follow their works. And so we keep going from there. So, wow. Heavy Burdens describes the extra-biblical tradition of rabbis that was a pillar of the Pharisaic branch of Judaism, right? They had a, um, a sect, right, an order, so to speak, uh, of their own, the Pharisees, and they had their own interpretations, their own little rules and regulations, kind of like denominations today. Uh, the more you get involved with the denomination, the more you start to learn, like, what's their position on this, and how do they express that, right. and, you know? That's true. And so Yeshua condemned the Pharisees not for teaching truth, but for being hypocrites. And we're going we're gonna to hear this word a lot. You know, Jesus really didn't like hypocrites. It seems like people putting, you know, what is it, the elite status they do now? Rules for thee, but not for me. You know, that's, uh, that's one of the big things. Isn't the, the hypocrite supposed to be like an actor? Well, it's a pretender. Pretending. I'm pretending to believe this, but if you look at my actions, clearly I don't believe it. An actor, yeah. Wow. So here's some problems that arose. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Problems arose when the religious leaders did these four things. They held that human-made rules had the same authority as God's laws, right? We even see that today with the Catholic Church. They moved the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday because they said they have the authority to do so. Right? That's true. It's documented. Right. So when we look at the Pharisees and we say, oh, clearly they don't have the right to do that, we need to put that same standard on ourselves. Amen? So number two, they told the people to obey these rules, but they did not do so themselves. Wow. Right? So maybe they're putting like a temple tax on them, or maybe they're putting, you know, certain rules and regulations, but then they themselves were not, were not you know, paying up or doing them or whatever. They also use the rules to unnecessarily burden the people, right? Having them jump through hoops, you know, do this, say that, stand up, sit down, yada, yada, yada. Putting those things is more important than the fundamental principles, right? And number four, they obeyed the rules not to honor God, but to make themselves look good. And Yeshua actually talks about that in previous parables or, or when talking to his disciples about, hey, don't pray in the streets, you know, like the, the super religious people do, where they, you know— or they fast, right? And they yeah. clearly make themselves look like they're downtrodden, right. you know? But he makes the point that what you do and observe in secret, your father will reward you publicly for. It's interesting. It is. You got to think about your own life. Yes. What am I telling others to do that I'm not doing? Right. Amen. Wow. Well, let's jump into, uh, I'm going to jump into uh, Matthew 23, verses 5 through 10, pride and preferential treatment. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Oh, and they love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi, 
But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Wow. So uh, the scribes and the Pharisees loved preferential treatment. I got to be honest. If I'm honest, I like preferential treatment. I do too. (laughs) Can we call that favor? (laughs) Yeah. They make broad their phylacteries, enlarge the borders of their garments, love the uppermost rooms at feasts, uh, chief seats in the synagogues, the 50-yard line, greetings in the markets, and to be called men, rabbi, rabbi. The scribes and Pharisees love preferential treatment. Mm. Now, Yeshua's disciples should not try to gain authority over one another as rabbis or masters. Since Yeshua is ultimately each disciple's rabbi and master to whom the disciple is accountable. Interesting. Yep. The disciples were not to revere or give authority to any rabbi or teacher above God or put such a person on a pedestal. And that's what they're really kind of saying. They're not saying you can't call him rabbi or father, but who is really the chief rabbi? Who is the heavenly father, see, which is in heaven? Uh, Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master. So make sure that if you have these titles, rabbi, father, master, that God is above that. Once again, the disciples were not to revere or give authority to any rabbi or teacher above God or put such a person on a pedestal. That's interesting, you know, because you could take this uh, in a very literal sense and be like, oh, I can't call my father father. You know, but we only know that God is our heavenly father because of the example of our father, which is where the name comes from. Right. So it's clearly a uh, a way of showing because what would you call your father at that point? Something different. But then that name would represent. Yeah. Your heavenly father. You know what I'm saying? Because it's it's using the word for father. If you took this literally, you know, you probably wouldn't get it. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Discuss why it is important not to have pride when you hold a ministry position in the body of Christ. So uh, the two verses that came to mind uh, was there's in Proverbs, it says pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And the second thing was uh, many who are first will be last and many last first. Wow. And uh, those two things, you know, Jesus obviously taught that he who wants to be chief should be the servant of all. And uh, that's Yeshua describing the economy of heaven and how it's different than the economy that was present at his time, you know? That's interesting. Think about it. I mean, pride comes before a fall. Like I'm entitled, you know. Puffed up. You know, not being able to work with others. Won't hear advice i mean just like we have to you know work with the jewish people you know we can't have pride if we wouldn't work with them and respect judaism if we had pride then we wouldn't be able to to probably work with them you know there's a lot of proverbs about loving correction you know what i mean um a lot of them like solomon spends a lot of time like there's some things, like some themes within the Proverbs where like things repeat over and over and over again. And one of them is like a fool despises correction, right? But a wise man, you know, embraces it is the concept, I think. And it's... Interesting. All of us need 
to be corrected sometimes because otherwise like wouldn't you hate to go off the path and nobody say anything to you and then you're just wandering off by yourself you know like on the wrong path or you end up in outside of the will of god which is a very dangerous place to be right that's true i guess um I guess having accountability can keep pride in check. That's having true. having accountability. It's true. Having accountability. You want to have accountability, just get married. <laughs> you know? Having accountability. Can help to not live in pride. Yeah. I would say this too, though. Serving others. Oh, amen. Serving others helps to not be proudful. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's one of the things about human nature is pride is one of those sins that sneaks up on you. I know I think I've mentioned this multiple times. There's that movie, The Devil's Advocate, which is a terrible movie, and I don't recommend watching it's it. It's too late. I know. I've mentioned it multiple times. That, you just shouldn't even mention it. But my point being that, like, at the beginning of the movie, yeah. he gets him with pride in one way. Right. And then at the end of the movie, you know, because he had had a vision, right, and the whole movie was the vision, when yeah. it comes back, he gets him on the other end with pride again. Yeah. And then he says at the very end, his last, the last words the devil says is, um, pride, it's my favorite sin. And it's just oh, like, oh, man, it just, you know, it just because he does, he gets you from one end and then. And, you know, if you really stop and think about it, though, Ryan, just like even with my own situation, my personal situation, I would say that, man, we have to we have to swallow our pride. And I, it's not just let's say you're doing well, but then you say the wrong things. Yeah. You have to give it account. Yeah. You got to be able to say, hey, listen, I want to set the record straight. Yep. I don't want to live with this. I'm not accepting this. I want to I want to make a change i want to say something yeah on well, top of that yeah. keeping a short account is a sign of a mature spiritual believer i'm telling you you know what i mean because you don't want to have things festering right and, and all that you know not good all right so verses 11 through 15 you I, can read that i will read new king james too i can do either i can do new king james or king james i have them both oh you can do whatever you want okay well then i'll do new king james i think yeah, king james is the first one so okay so we're doing 11 through 15 it says here but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Haven't we just said that? I mean, we were just, you know what? I love it when and Jesus. he's telling them that. I love it when Jesus agrees with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> there goes that pride. Wow. <laughs> and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when, you, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Oh, gosh. And this other word here where it says condemnation was damnation in the... Uh, in the King James. Yeah. I kind of I kind of think that's a better word used there. So, so Yeshua challenged prevailing notions of how to get ahead. <clears throat> 
To him, greatness comes from serving God and helping people without regard for personal benefit or advancement. Service keeps us aware of others' needs, and it stops us from focusing only on ourselves. Boy, this is true. I feel like you've said this a million times. You want to get yourself out of a, a slump? Go serve somebody. Yeah. Right? That's, That's the true. trick. That's good stuff. That's the trick. And so, moving on, uh, Yeshua accused the religious leaders of shutting the door to the kingdom of heaven. Yeshua made these stinging accusations because the leaders hunger for more power, money, and status had made them lose sight of God. You know, this is dangerous and can happen in ministry where people become a God unto themselves, you know. And the, you know, the issue that we have is, you know, Israel is a set-apart nation, and so the standard for Israel, the priests of Israel, is a, is a high standard, and Israel is supposed to be a light to the nations. And when the priesthood is corrupt, that can't stand, right? Right. Because God is looking at the apple of his eye, and if they're supposed to be his representatives on the earth, and they're misrepresenting him, that's not good. Now, fast forward to the New Testament and Paul's letters, how we are all ambassadors for Christ. And so it's not a question of if we're an ambassador. The question is, are we a good ambassador? That's true. It is true. We are representing something, aren't we? We are. So it's important to discern if your teachers and spiritual leaders are welcoming you through God's open door to his kingdom or shutting the door and making it difficult to enter. And so this is the difference, I think, of what Yeshua's ministry brings. And this is one of the things that I think is very misinterpreted about Paul, right? Paul never does away with the Torah or the commandments, right? Yeshua certainly doesn't do away with them. Uh, What actually happens is he says, look, you guys are putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. Right? You don't have to do 10 steps to salvation, right? There's one step to salvation. And then through the internal compulsion of salvation and what God has done for you, you'll then do the things commanded, right? That's right. And so that's why we believe here, not in works for salvation— or, of sorry, a works-based salvation, but right. salvation-based works. Right. Praise God. That's true. Praise God. So, you know, in uh, verse 14, this was interesting. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye receive the greater damnation. I was kind of wondering, like, what about this widows' houses things? But, but isn't there a temple tax? Is it possible they're, like, foreclosing on widows' houses because they're not paying a temple tax? I just, I was wondering what is the maybe historical somehow, context. Maybe they somehow use their clout to get the widow's houses. That's what I'm saying. Maybe through, yeah. through you know, because it's one thing to have a mortgage and owe money, right? It's another thing to have a tax, and then when somebody can't pay the tax, foreclose on their house. I don't know. It's interesting. I think it's just somehow going after the widow's house. Clearly. Because they feel like they have a right to or a position to do that. And then, and then it says, for, and for a pretense, make long prayer. That's interesting. So, Lord, we are so disappointed that this widow's house has to become the property of the Pharisees or I don't know. whatever. And for a pretense, make a long prayer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't quite understand the historical yeah. context there. You know that, what? If you know, put some comments in the, the comment section I'm or send me you. an email, ryan at 2 That is interesting. I'd be interested to know. 
And then finally, verse 15, he, he, he tidies it up and says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Ouch. So the word proselyte That's is the terrible. Greek word proselytos, and it means an ascender or a convert to Judaism. Right. So they're converting somebody to their order, right? Bringing right. somebody in. Now, Yeshua does not criticize proselytism per se, right? Or the, the, the way of making a convert or bringing somebody into the fold. But the manner in which the Pharisees zealously sought converts only to place them under this, the burdensome weight of the many requirements in their extra-biblical traditions. And then I would even add, and then turning them against the people to put more burdens on the people, right? They become even worse. Because what is it you always say? What one generation tolerates, the next generation embraces, right? So then generationally, they're just going to get worse and worse with their their stuff. Uh, now, child of hell literally means child of Gehenna, a reference to the valley of the son of Hinnom, just south of Jerusalem, where refuse was burned. Jewish and New Testament writings used it as a metaphorical picture of eternal punishment. Wow. Have you ever been to the valley of Hinnom? I've probably seen it. Oh, I've been there. I did a beautification project. That's right. I stormed the gates wow. of hell with a squirt gun. Man. <laughs> of course, it was a water bottle, but... Wow. Um, we did a... Uh, we, we pulled weeds. They're actually putting a farm in the valley. And then, like, this nice little area. I mean, it's, it's a, like, like a tourist spot now where, like, people can go and sit and um, they have people that talk and stuff there in the valley of Hinnom. Talk about redeemed, you know. But obviously, wow. this, this was used as an example right? because they're burning trash. And then it was brought up last night and dead bodies, right? So the Romans would throw the dead bodies to be cremated into the trash heap. I, I think Yeshua was supposed to be burned as a blasphemer, but he was put on a cross. So that's kind of interesting. Because you had all those prophecies about the nail-scarred hands and stuff, you know. Right. Well, and, and um, <clears throat> that's if it wasn't for Joseph of Arimathea... <clears throat> Excuse right. me. Maybe, Coming in Maybe that would have body. happened. I don't know. Well, of course. Where else would they put him? That's true. So he had to be buried. He couldn't be burned. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, he could still go on the cross. But the blasphemers' bodies were supposed to be burned, from my understanding. The punishment. That's that's pretty bad. So so in the mind of, of the religious leaders of that day, is that equivalent of like ruining their afterlife? Like making it so that they can't come back know. in the resurrection. I'm not sure. That's interesting. It is interesting. All right, you're yeah. up. All right, Matthew 23 verses 16 to 22. Whoever swears, woe unto you, you blind guides, which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. You fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Interesting. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Wow. There's a lot going on there. Swearing by the temple, by the gold, by the altar, and the gift 
of the altar. Right. So the Pharisees distinguished between oaths made by the temple and those made by the gold of the temple, and between oaths made by the altar and those made by the gift on it. As in much of their belief system, they focus on misguided superficial distinctions and overlook the higher principles of the law. So this statement, I feel like, sums up, because there's a lot of anti-Semitism that comes out of chapter 23. Right. Right? Um, And this statement that you just made, as in much of their belief system, they focus on misguided superficial distinctions and overlook the higher principles of the law. If you could get to the crux of the matter of what Yeshua is rebuking them for, this is it right here. Wow. So whoever swears are those with faith in God who recognize their constant accountability in his presence need only give a simple yes or no as a binding oath. Amen. So I find it interesting because it almost seems like the religious leadership had created a hierarchy of oaths, right? That whatever, if the bigger, the bigger the promise, right? Because why can't you swear by the temple? Well, you can't swear by the temple because you can't give the temple, but you can swear by the gold of the temple. And then if you don't perform your oath, now you owe the gold, right? right? Or you can't swear by the altar because you can't give the altar, but you could swear by the gift on the altar. And then if you don't perform it, then you owe, right? You owe something. You have to give up something. That's true. So they've created uh, a system or a hierarchy of how... Temple, gold, altar, offering. So Exactly. Based so, upon an oath. So then this is all in a way to enrich themselves, right? So if you're wrong, then what good is the temple and the gold and the altar and the sacrifice? If you made the oath. Right. Because well, and, and, the temple's standing there. And the point here, I think, is that, hey, don't make an oath that you can't keep. Right. Whereas they're saying, hey... If you don't keep it, you just owe us the gold. Or, right. hey, if you don't keep it, you just owe us an, right. an offering. But who are you to, to get that from the Lord? <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's the Lord's temple and gold altar uh, offering. Precisely. So, again, a, a way of enriching themselves. And this is why Yeshua says in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, he says, Again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. Right. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Right? He's saying don't get caught up in this system of hierarchy. He's not saying don't make an oath. Right. He's, he's saying don't get caught up in this system of swearing by this or swearing by that. Right. He says, but I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. Where's that at? But let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. This is uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. It's what is it again? Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. And this is um, uh, part of what? The Olivet Discourse? That's right? interesting. That ties in really good with this. Um, wow. It's interesting, though, because he's he's doing it twice, basically explaining... Over there, he was kind of telling the people, you're at your yes, be yes, and you're no, be no. But here he's showing this is the problem with the system that the religious leadership has put in place at this time. It's a false system. You know what I mean? You're, you're creating this because now, like you can't, again, you can't swear by the altar because then what do you owe? You don't owe anything. But if you swear by the gift on the altar, now you owe the gift. Gotcha. You know? That's interesting. At least that's the way I interpreted it. Wow, so uh, what two points did you get out of Matthew 23, 1 through 22? Number one, let your yes be yes and your no be no. <laughs> that was my first point. 
And uh, my second point was this. Since the Pharisees sat in Moses' seat, Jesus commanded the people to do what they said to do, right? We should listen to Moses. Moses is not done away with. Moses is the great prophet of God who got the words of God directly from the source on Sinai. For who? For us, right? He did say, however, just don't copy what those who were in that time in Moses' seat, what they were doing, because they were saying one thing and doing another. Wow. Can you say that again? <laughs> Stay tuned a little bit. Since the Pharisees sat in Moses' seat, Jesus commanded the people to do what they said to do. Oh, wow. However, he just did not want them to copy their actions. Interesting. What's the other one? My first one was let your yes be yes and your no be no. Okay, good, good. That's good. I, I just have don't be a hypocrite. <laughs> That's, if you could take anything away from this. Talk the talk and walk the walk. Yeah. Number two, keep your word. I like that. Don't be a hypocrite. Keep your word. You know, Very those good. are like, I've seen those like um, memes that have like a list of like, uh, you know, rules for men, for like life rules for men, you know, and they'll have like, you know, little things like look a man in the eye when he shakes hand, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, eh, you know, it's funny. But there's bigger principles at play like, don't be a hypocrite, you know, keep your, right. keep your word that I think are, are important. And some of those things are probably on that list. Right. But I've seen them and been like, you know, Good. whatever. So why don't you pray us out? Father, we just want to thank you for this lesson. It can be so learned today. It's so relevant for today. Father, let our yes be yes, our no be no. Father, just forgive us for being hypocrites, for not keeping our word, for not uh, walking the walk as we talk the talk. Forgive us for that, Father. And uh, we just thank you for this opportunity to, uh, to do a spiritual audit and to be better and to do better and to make things right. And uh, thank you for our conscience, that when our conscience is uh, seared like a hot iron, it's not good. But we pray that you would just give our, our, our conscience life and, and, and judgment, Father, that we judge ourselves and, and that we, uh, we make things right, Father. We just want to thank you for this opportunity, for your Holy Spirit to come along and comfort us as we do this and comfort others. To be sincere and honest, we ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. 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 All right. If you guys keep the conversation going in the comments, I can comment in there too with you. And then uh, also, if you want to email me directly, you can do that at ryan at twopraise.net. Uh, I guess happy Gregorian New Year to everybody. Uh, bless you and have a great week. That's right.